to have um, scripture reading in um, Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love your Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You answer correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wound, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him brought him into an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell onto the hand into the hand of robbers? The experts in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Ooh. That's nice. Okay, thank you. Um, all right. Good morning again. We have the next part of our vision series um, that we're continuing today. Um, but as we, as we begin, let me pray. Um, Father, I just want to really pray that you would show us your heart, um, your, um, your vision for us as your people. I pray, Lord, that, that the words that are spoken this morning would be from you, that you would open and soften our hearts. Lord, there may be things that we feel like we've heard before, that, we've, that we know. Um, and yet, Lord, perhaps there are ways in which we're not actually being obedient to those things that we've heard before and that we know. And so I pray that you would help us, Lord, to see the ways in which you may particularly be asking us to change, to do new things. Um, Father, I pray that you would give us courage and strength to face the ways in which you may be asking us to change. And Father, I pray that you would draw us together as your people and that you would unite us under your, under your vision and by your spirit. So we ask this in your name. Amen. Okay. So this morning, um, we are going to be unpacking what it means to have a missional heart 
Uh, if I can get my the slides up on the screen. Ooh, they are. Because the first one is a black slide. Confusing me. Oh, no, that's not it. Do I, did I press the wrong button? Oh, sad. No, I'm going backwards. Oh, I have to go forwards. <laughs> that's because, like, it's rubbed off because that's the button that people press all the time. Uh, <laughs> yes, all right, makes sense. All right, so I want to remind us of what our vision is um, as a church. Um, and so it's to be a prayer-driven, spirit-led, actively loving, multi-generational church equipped with a missional heart to do great things for God and with him to his glory. Um, now, we, we sat down as, as, you know, pastors and elder and, um, and deacons, and we, we prayed together. Um, and, you know, there are times when you feel like, yes, God is actually speaking to us in this place, and he is showing us something of his heart for where he wants us to go as a church. Um, and, you know, kind of individually, as we went and prayed separately, um, God showed us these, these facets of what it is that he really wants for us as a church, what he wants us to strive for. Um, and we came together and there was such agreement and unity when we, when we shared what it was that God was speaking to us. Um, and so, you know, we, we couldn't ignore it. <laughs> and it, has, um, it is shaping what we are doing um, in, in this church, not only for this year, but, you know, as we go on um, for the next, hopefully, five years longer, we don't know. But this is what we want for all of us together as a church to be moving towards. Um, so... Two weeks ago, Beck took us through um, what it means to be prayer-driven and spirit-led. So, you know, even though as, as pastors and leaders um, uh, that we, we are leading this congregation in a, in a certain way, um, we are ultimately not the ones who are captaining this ship, all right? That person is God through the Holy Spirit, um, and therefore, it's vital that we remain connected to God in prayer, right? By his spirit, through prayer. Um, constant communication, constant communion with God. Not just speaking our thoughts to him, but listening, hearing God's thoughts back to us and obeying. Hansen took us through what it means to be actively loving and part of a multi-generational church. So love is the engine. It's the driving force of all of our actions. And love is more than just a feeling of goodwill. It's more than having butterflies in your tummy. Um, it goes beyond wishing somebody well, okay? Biblical love is modeled on the love of God that he has shown to us. And that love is active. It is primarily shown by the way we behave. Concrete action. It's, it's shown in how we love as we lead and as we follow each other. Because that's what it is. We're, we're members of God's family. And we love and honor all the members of this family, 
regardless of their age or stage of life. And in humility, we teach one another and we learn from one another. We need each other in this family that God has called us into. So God has called each one of us to be prayer-driven, spirit-led, actively loving part of this multi-generational church. And that means that although we can organize programs and we can organize events and we can try and put each one of you into different groups and do all sorts of things, each one of you as a member of this church also has a personal responsibility to have a vibrant and growing spiritual life. Nobody can have that life for you. But we can and should be accountable to each other for the kind of life that we are living so that we can graciously, patiently, gently, lovingly, but truthfully bring into the light areas of sin, areas where there may be growth needed with each other, okay? See, we can be a church that has lots of paid staff who prepare and run a whole lot of programs, and it could look from the outside as though we are doing really well. But unless our members, that's each of you, right, each of you, um, is truly growing in relationship with God, in relationship with others in, in this church, in relationship with the community, the wider community around us, um, in godly ways, none of those programs or events really matter. They are just window dressing, okay? And so as we move into this, into this sermon and as we move actually into, into how we want to live this year, I want to ask each one of you to really think, how is my relationship with God going? Where am I at with him? Do, am, I, am, I, am I speaking to him? Am I hearing from him? Am I seeing new things in him and from him? So that's the first question. How is my relationship with God? And how is my relationship with God's people, that is the other thing. Am I actually very isolated? I don't really have any sort of meaningful relationship with at least one or two other people in God's family, right? Or I have some difficult and broken relationships amongst God's people. Or I have the sort of relationship with people that is very much like, I'll see you on Sunday. And then I just go off during the week and do whatever I want. And then, hey, Sunday. Yeah, things are good. Yep. Okay, bye. All right. So what sort of relationship do you have with God's people? And are you willing for yourself to be an active member of this community, which means taking an active interest in the members, in the other members of this community? Are you willing to open your life up to them? Not to everybody all in one go, but maybe to one or two people. To take a risk, to be vulnerable, and to journey with people. 
this vision that we are sharing, it cannot be done by a handful of people. It's not something you can employ more people to do. It's only meaningful if we are all active participants. And there is not, I'm not saying that like, you know, you have to answer those two questions and then come up with a score for yourself. And then if you, if you, ask, well, if you score high enough, yay, you're in. No. What we need is, is that each one of us agrees to and is moving towards, moving towards that same goal. Okay, that's what it is. It's the movement towards, right? Not where you are, because we're all starting in different places, with different weaknesses, with different areas of sin and brokenness. But that we are moving towards, we agree, yes, this is where God wants to take us. And we are going there together as a church. So God is in the driver's seat, all right? The power and the purpose, the direction, it comes from him. And love is the engine. And the church, that's us, the church is the vehicle. And together, we get to join God on his mission in this world. Now, it is a mission that God is on that is fully realized when all of creation is filled with the knowledge and the love of God. All of creation is filled with, his not, with the knowledge and love of God. Where there, Therefore, because all of creation is filled with his love, is filled with his glory, there is no more disease, there is no more pain, there are no more broken relationships, there is no more death, no more tears, no wars, no famine, Nobody will lack anything that they need. God will deal with fully and finally all that is evil in this world, and it will be banished. It is a mission that will ultimately be fulfilled by God. And he is the one who will make all things right and good but it is one that he graciously allows us to participate in. A mission to do great things for God and with God and to his glory. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's Ephesians 2.10. So our mission our mission is to share the love and truth of God both in words and through our actions. Now, I want us to look together at the parable of the Good Samaritan, which Jen, Jen read out for us. And I hope that parable is familiar to many of you because I'm not going to deep dive into the whole meaning of it, okay? This morning, it's our mission case study. And I know that nobody actually shares the gospel in this story. I realize that. But what it does show us is what a missional heart looks like, a heart that would actually share the gospel along with the doing of the gospel, right? The sharing of the gospel and the doing of the gospel. 
And so we have four points today. Um, The beginning of mission, the focus of mission, the place of mission, and God's perfect mission. All right, if you have your Bibles or if you are taking out your phone for this purpose, I'll allow it. Go to Luke 10, um, and I'm reading from verse 25. Um, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, and so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? So this parable, it flows out of the application of the two greatest commandments, right? To love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves. See, the beginning of mission is love. God's love and the love of God that flows through us to our neighbors. Mission begins in the heart of God. Mission begins in the heart of God and changes our hearts so that it flows out through us. The only reason that any of us is on God's mission is that God's love drew us in in the first place. Right? Because God showed his love in this, that he sent his son to die for us. God's never-ending, merciful, self-sacrificing love reached out and brought him to, sorry, brought us to himself. We love because he first loved us and gave himself for us. And we need in our mission to begin with the heart of the gospel, that we are all sinners in need of a savior. And it is only by the grace and mercy of God that he has brought us into his family. It is not because we are better than anyone else or that we're smarter than anyone else or we have some skill or trait that makes us more worthy. It is by the grace of God alone. And so that means that we don't approach others in ways that are mean or high-handed. We didn't make a better choice because we're better, okay? We approach others with humility, with respect, with compassion, because what we see is that God's heart is for them. It's for them, and they need him. They need him so much, just like we need him. That is the heart of compassion that moves us in mission. It is where mission begins, in the love of God. Now the focus of mission. Look again at the setting of this parable that I read just now, right? This expert of the law, he's trying to test Jesus But he ends up being tested by Jesus. He asks, how how do I inherit eternal life? And he actually already knows the answer, that he needs to obey the commandments. And he correctly cites the two greatest commandments that sum up 
all of the law. But he continues in his questioning because he is trying to justify himself and his life. He is trying to limit the number of neighbors he has to love. And so he asks for a definition of his neighbor. So he, he is trying to limit the love, but Jesus expands it. And it is so wide that it includes even your cultural enemies, the Jews and Samaritans who had generations of hatred and strife between them, and yet even they are neighbors to whom love is to be shown. You see, what happens when God's love takes hold of us? It moves us out. It moves us out of selfishness, out of awkwardness, out of fear, out of our safety nets, out of our comfort zones. God's love moves our focus from us to others. It moves us to stop thinking, what is best for me? What would, what would be easiest for me? What would make me feel good? What would be safest for me? It, it stops us asking those questions. And what we start asking is, what would be best for them? What would make them feel the safest, the most comfortable? What would bring them joy? What did they need? You see, the good Samaritan, he sees a man who is injured and stripped naked on the side of a road. And this was a real road. And it was known to be favored by thieves and bandits. It was a dangerous road. And so the Samaritan, his first thought could have been of his own safety and his ability to survive his own dangerous journey on this road. Because what if the robbers were still around? What if he became a victim just like this other guy was? What if they robbed him while he was helping that guy? And that guy was like half dead, right? Like, what if he didn't even make it? Like, what would be the point? What would be the point of him sacrificing his life for somebody who might not even make it? But the Samaritan... He, he doesn't stop to try and question the man about what he's doing there, where, he, where he's going, nothing. He doesn't try to um, do anything except what is good for him. He pities him and that moves him to bandage his wounds, to put him on his donkey and to walk him to an inn where he pays for his food and lodging pays for his medical care. The Samaritan didn't get a good deal out of this. He didn't know if the guy would survive. He didn't know whether he would be able to pay him back. The Samaritan took time out of whatever his schedule was that day to do what was loving for the stranger's good. And that was a Jewish stranger. Somebody who would, could just as easily have spat in his face as he walked past. He did it anyway. 
And our mission is to do loving actions, to do good, to be a part of God's mission in the world in big and small ways, in the spirit of what the Samaritan man did. It may be walking over and being friendly with somebody who seems lonely. It may be seeing somebody who's struggling to carry groceries and going to help. It could be sharing with a friend about how God's love has changed your life. Or you might have skills that, you, that could be used to provide, you know, care, support to others who need it. Maybe people who are underprivileged or disadvantaged. You could reach out and provide those services that they wouldn't otherwise be able to afford. You see, the mission of God is not that we have a comfortable life. In fact, the mission of God and God's love at work in our hearts will almost guarantee that we will not have a comfortable life, that our lives will be shaped sacrificially for the sake of what is good for others. Because God's mission turns our focus away from ourselves and to the good of the other. Now the place for mission. Now some of you, when you hear the word mission, uh, you probably, well in church at least, you probably associate it with like overseas mission. Um, you know, those people working in countries where we, like we send money, we send aid, we send support. Sometimes we might visit them, those people, the missionaries. Or maybe a little closer to home, like there might be um, a, an outreach event or something that the church organizes, and that's where mission happens. But mission does not just happen over there. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is right here. You see, we want to look again at this poor man lying half dead on the road because in this parable, there are three people who walked on this road past this man. A priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. But only the Samaritan took up the mission to love this man. Okay? They were all in that place they all could potentially have taken up God's mission to love that man. And only one of them did. And I want to say to you, to me, to us, that the people and the situations are all around you. Where you walk, where you shop, where you go to school, where you drive, in your mother's group, where you work, where you live. They're all right there. The place for mission is wherever you would open your eyes and open your heart to see and to love the needs of your neighbors. To see where God may be asking you to think of their good and to do what you can by his love and power. You see, we believe and we know that God is sovereign over all things. 
And so he is sovereign over the events of every moment of your day. He is sovereign over your resources, your skills, your time, your experiences. There is nothing that happens in your life or in this world that is accidental or incidental. It is happening all around you. And, you know, this, this question challenges us as pastors, right? We sat there and we thought, why have you brought us to this place, to this neighborhood, this street, to this school? How can we be on your mission in the place where you have called us right here? How can we love the people that you have placed us amongst? And so we want to open up conversations with the leadership of this school. We want to ask them how we can do something, how we can be part of this community. And we probably won't use these words, but I'll use it here. Are there ways in which we can show God's love and to move towards healing and wholeness in this place. It may be something as simple as a working bee. It may be that there are families that we can get alongside. It may be that there are people who have particular skills within our congregation that would be helpful in this place. And we want each of you moved by God's love, to reach out in love where God has placed you with a missional heart to see and to do what he is asking of you. And it may mean that your day did not go as you planned it to go because you, took some, you saw someone, you saw something, and you took the time, you took the energy to have a conversation, to do something helpful that meant that your, your day got pushed out of kilter. It may be that you work towards changing the orientation of your day-to-day work so that it would be more beneficial to the community that's around you. It may be that you step out and you do what you have not had the courage to do thus far and admit to your friends that you love Jesus and that he has changed your life and that you would really like to have them experience that change in theirs. We have opportunities in every service, every event, every gathering of people to reach out in love. Even in unofficial gatherings, where you go for lunch or you have birthdays or you just you meet randomly in the street, whatever it is, opportunities where we can share the love of God wherever we are. So are there ways in which we as a church might be able to help you to show the love of God? Do you have ideas? for ways that we could reach out to others in the community around us. Share them. Invite people in. And open up your hearts, your lives, your homes to the world around you 
so that they can experience the love of God through you. Because your mission is where God places you and every step along that way. Now, God's perfect mission. I want you to note the end of this parable because we, we don't find out what happens to the injured man. Does he recover? Who was he? Did, the man, he, did, did he meet the man who saved him? Jesus doesn't tell us. He leaves it, I think, deliberately open. We don't know the result of the loving actions of the Samaritan. But the Samaritan isn't commended for his actions because there was some sort of happy ending. The Samaritan is commended for the merciful love that motivated him. Now, in this world, not every attempt that we make to do good, to share God's love, will be well-received, will have the effect that we intended, will be able to, to have the, you know, the, the, the reach that we intended. Not every person that we share the gospel with will turn to Jesus. That's not up to us. Our part of the mission is to simply and faithfully reach out in love and to leave the result the impact, the salvation up to God. We take up our part in God's perfect mission and trust him to bring about what is good and right and perfect in his sight. We trust that God's mission is good and perfect. We will not be able to achieve everything that we really want in this world, right? Even with the best of intentions. We won't be able to take away all of the pain, all of the hardship that we see, no matter how much we are moved in compassion and love, no matter how much energy we pour into it, we're not going to be able to achieve that. But we continue in our mission because we know that God's perfection is coming and that God can do those things and that he will do what he promised. So that our hope isn't in each individual effort that we make, but in the shape of God's overall plan, God's overall mission that we know he will bring to fruition. So let God's love move you to shift the focus off yourself and to a world that is literally dying on the side of the road. Open your eyes and see a world that is gasping for air. They need God's truth. They need God's love. And they need to be told and to experience it through us. So step out with a missional heart of love to do great things for God and with God to his glory. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you that you are such a good God. Father, we thank you that you have this plan for us, not just as individuals, but for the whole of creation 
that you are bringing all of us to your perfect home with you. And I pray, Lord, that you would move our hearts, that we would desire to bring others along and to be part of this journey with you, this relationship with you, that we would do all we can to alleviate the pain and the suffering that we see around us, to show your love in those ways. And Father, that we would share the truth of who you are, what you have done, and how much your heart is grieved and how much you love this broken and sinful world. Thank you, Father, in your name. Amen.